The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Critically Acclaimed, the movie review podcast where good taste and bad taste explode. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. I write for The Wrap. I write for The Film Verdict. I write for Slash Film. Everybody calls me Bibs. And, and I, the the glycerin to your nitro, because of the explosion you mentioned earlier. I get it. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a film critic. I contribute to Slash Film, and that's all. That's, you don't, you don't have outlet. to say that every You say that every time. That's all. As if that's nothing. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I can't sort of say, I don't know, I write for the Associated Press, and I write for the New, New York Times Magazine, or, yeah. you know, some... You, you, you have one outlet like, that actually multiple, keeps you... Multiple outlets. You have one outlet that keeps you busy. I think that's something they to be proud of. They do keep you busy, that's true. Yeah, it's not like you just, like, sort of, like, doff off something... Once a month or something for them, like you're actually like no, I, I, you're consistently I, employed. Be proud of that. That's hard to find. Five articles a day is what I do. Yeah, that's hard to find. I'm I'm proud of you. Is my point. Thank you. Anyway, thank you for joining us. This is our movie review podcast here at the critically acclaimed network. Uh, this week it's the last week of August, <laughs> and we have a video game movie and yeah. it's, and, it's uh, and a teen conf- sexy comedy and a Liam Neeson. Well, we have a Liam Neeson, so that's expected. Yeah. We have, this is Taken Part 15, I oh, think, God, at this point. Oh, God, I wish. Uh, and, uh, no, you don't. <laughs> uh, hey, I actually saw the Liam Neeson oh, movie. Yeah, you I, let I me was, be the judge of that. Uh, we have a video game movie, but confusingly, it doesn't have the word Underworld or Resident Evil in the title, so I don't really, it's just like uncharted territory. <laughs> I'm not really sure what's going on here. Uh, yeah, this week we're reviewing uh, the new uh, video game movie, kind of. But also, but true story. Uh, yeah, it's a video game movie. It's based on a video game. But it's also based on a true story surrounding a video game. It's called Gran Turismo. Uh, we've got a uh, new uh, wacky teen comedy called Bottoms, and we have Liam Neeson sitting down in retribution. Uh, and uh, I think <laughs> just what he's doing at home right now. I'm just gonna sit down. <laughs> gonna listen to this critically acclaimed podcast and just chill out. Oh, Liam. Oh, you might want to listen to something uh, else today. Um, look, I, I, I know you've been trying to get through Finnegan's Wake for a while, Mr. Neeson. <laughs> and uh, tonight might be a good night to try that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the big release of the weekend was Gran Turismo. So I guess let's start with that. It's number one, made more money than Barbie. Not much money, but it still made more than Barbie. No, been, and uh, not much more than Barbie, honestly. But um, Gran Turismo is a motion picture based on a video game. The video game is called, get this, Gran Turismo. And uh, I, I learned from this, I, I'm unfamiliar with Gran Turismo. Mm. It came out uh, originally for the PlayStation 1 uh, back yeah. in the, the late 90s. And some I'd never played any of these games. Sure. Uh, so I have no context other than what the movie said. Mm. And the movie let me know that it was the series of video games, and there's dozens of them by now, uh, endeavored to be the most accurate racing simulator. Uh, yeah. Ever. ever like yeah. but more than more so than any video game yeah. it, you it's, it's not like mario kart where you throw shells at people mm. all the cars are real cars yeah, yeah, the real all the racetracks are real racetracks they, they, they tried to scan the cars and have them be in the correct scale on the tracks and they if, travel the actual speeds they do on if the you tracks. have if you install certain pistons in your car it will have that like infinitesimal change in the way your car operates yeah, and, and it, it, it's based it's, on like it, actual mechanics yeah uh, and uh, th- there's a market for that. It's not yeah. me. Mm-hmm. I I I'd rather just sort of play than like I'd rather throw turtle, sh- turtle shells at people, frankly. Yeah. But um, but there's a market for that, and that's a perfectly valid thing to do. And mm-hmm. it's it is an impressive achievement. I played a little Gran Turismo. It wasn't really for me. Give me mm-hmm. San Francisco Rush any day. It's it sounds like uh, yeah if. if 
you're a fan of realism in your video games. Mm-hmm. You don't want the fantastical type. You want mm-hmm. something that's really kind of grounded and technical. Which, And I think video games appeal to people who are into technicals, because they really mm-hmm. are, at the end of the day, about strategy and number crunching. And well, some of them are. Rec- recognizing patterns, a lot of that stuff. Video games are just like movies. They, they're made for different audiences, a mm-hmm. lot of them. And, uh, yeah, they're definitely people who are very technical. Mm-hmm. And people who want to, even, even if it's not realistic, they, like, want to, like go on Eve online and instead of like conquer a planet or become a pirate, they want to start a bank. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's actually a thing that happened. So Gran Turismo is this hyper accurate video game. Uh, It's been going on for forever. Uh, And they decided uh, in their, however much wisdom there was to it, I guess uh, I wasn't, I'm not going to say infinite, but I'm not going to say otherwise. Uh, They decided to have uh, a contest to see if the people who were amazing at Gran Turismo, the video game, could be trained to become real race car drivers. Uh, this actually happened. Uh, there was a, a guy named Jan Mardenborough. Uh, and uh, he won the contest. He went through their boot camp. And he became a real-life racer. Uh, and... The movie takes a lot of liberties with his life. Certain events in the film actually did happen to him. But there's a certain sort of sports movie rise to greatness that is a bit exaggerated in this motion picture. But regardless, that's basically the premise. It's the last Starfighter, except instead of being called forth to save the galaxy, uh, you're going to drive in a circle a lot. Um, And when it's tapping into that sort of last Starfighter... Last Starfighter, by the way, is a movie from the mid-80s. Oh, we uh, have to explain uh, that. Yeah, we, oh, we do. There's, there's kids who don't know what The Last Starfighter is. It's actually a very important movie to me. It was very formative, The Last Starfighter. Yeah, and it's it's one of those movies that uh, kind of told the audience that all that time you're wasting playing video games, it's not a waste. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about a young man who's very good at an arcade game at this uh, podunk gas station in the small town where he works. And, exactly. And uh, it turns out that this arcade game is not just a video game but a training exercise for extraterrestrials mm-hmm. and those are people who can the people who can beat the game are recruited to be pilots in this intergalactic war out in space and he's mm-hmm. whisked up into a spaceship and meets all these aliens yeah. a great score uh, groundbreaking cgi effects for the time they're very dated mm-hmm. now uh but fun writing fun mm-hmm. characters it holds up really good oh, if you can get past a, some of the data a, VFX. Got a, yeah got a great screenplay yeah. uh some good practical effects yeah. as well but back back in uh, the 80s they always would say like you know you're wasting your time with these video games mm-hmm. and the, you know people who play video there was a old far side comic strip that was like parents watching their kid play a nintendo mm-hmm. and you can see like in their in their their dream they're, bubbles they're, it was like they're, they're reading want ads it's like can, can your son re- save the princess we'll give him three million dollars yeah that kind of yeah stuff. and that's uh, not strictly true but as with any sort of entertainment enterprise there are there are in fact real jobs to be had making it in the surrounding industries mm-hmm. they, they can but this, this isn't about a... somebody who wanted to make gran turismo true this is about somebody who was just very good at gran turismo mm-hmm. uh entered a competition and was recruited and and this part started to remind me of films like air or flaming hot where mm-hmm. it's actually about sort of the corporate story mm-hmm. and how the the corporation is actually the, the world's changing entity in in this uh, mm-hmm. universe. So Orlando Bloom, who plays sort of the corporate slime ball, yeah, goes he's to, a marketing executive yeah. at Nissan, uh, yeah. and he wants to uh, do this tie-in with uh, Sony with Gran Turismo to start this uh, racing school, and he gives this big rousing speech about how no, no, if we let these kids learn how to drive, they'll get excited about cars, cars and leaving the house and like yeah. going out into the world because kids aren't getting their driver's licenses anymore. Yeah, which, they're staying in and playing video games. Which yeah. is true, actually. Yeah, uh, the, 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 the rates that uh, kids are getting their driver's licenses. Well, cars are not affordable anymore. Cars are not affordable, yeah. and the idea that you have to leave the house to find your scene yeah. isn't a thing anymore. You can find it online now. Yeah. Uh, time was... You couldn't get it online. You had to go somewhere. You had to go to the local diner. You had to go to local bars. You had to go to the movie theaters and meet people and meet your regulars there. So the idea is this will get people who are not interested in going out excited in the possibility that the thing that I like in the virtual world has a real world equivalent and I can get excited about that. Mm -hmm. And then magically I'll have enough money to buy a new Nissan. Somehow. 
I don't know how the fuck, but um, sure. Now, that, that message doesn't really play out well because Jan, the main character, was already interested in racing. Yeah. He didn't become interested in racing because he played Gran Turismo. He was interested in racing and that's what led him to Gran Turismo. Right. In fact, the entire message of the movie is all fucking over the place because mm. ostensibly... Uh, what we're dealing with here is a, is an underdog story about people who were not part of the racing community, and once they actually get into the racing community, they're like people who've been there for a long time, thinking these amateurs are going to get people starts, killed. Yeah. Ah, I don't like them. Blah 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 blah, and they're going to have to prove that people who love video games are as good at real world things as anyone else. All hell, video games. Please buy some video games. However. Mm. You ever, it's ever all that movie, The Wizard. Yeah, <laughs> it has that same vibe. Like, the Wizard is a, a ninety-minute Nintendo commercial from the late eighties. Basically, if you see, did you see Rain Man at Nintendo? That was that was the whole pitch, mm. um, but with kids. And um, but if the whole idea is to get us, you know, sort of like, oh, this video game is awesome. You should buy these video games. Uh, it's also about how video games are no substitute for doing things in the real world and doing things in the real world is a lot more important and impressive. Mm. So you should probably stop playing video games and go out and do stuff. Yeah. It's a weird mixed marketing <laughs> it's, message. It's when they put aside the video game uh -huh. and it becomes like a really more conventional sports drama. It's underground it, racing. It gets, story, yeah. it gets better. Underdog. Um, yeah. under, uh, underdog. underdog. Not underdog. Underground. Yeah. Underdog. Underground, underground would be a very racing. different so, racing story. So yeah, the, the main character, Jan, let me look, uh, look up the actor's name. Uh, I, he's I played by Archie Mattaquay. Archie, yeah, Archie Mattaquay. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing I'm, that correct. I'm not, uh, I don't know who he is. I haven't seen him anything before, but, um. Uh, have I seen him anything But his dad. He was in Midsommar. Oh, he was in Midsommar. Okay. He was in Midsommar. There you go. Oh, was he the one who's, Hmm. Uh, I, I don't remember. He, he was in Midsommar. He was the uh, one his... who looked like Archie Mattaquay. <laughs> uh, he was also in is... Heart of Stone, which I, I was like, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, <laughs> uh, but Jimon Hansu is his dad, and uh, Jimon cool. Hansu disapproves of all this video game mm. stuff. And Jimon Hansu almost makes it out of not being a complete cliche. Yeah. Because he's, he's a pretty intense actor. And, and did his... You re, did you play recognize his mom? His his mom was Ginger Spice. Yeah. And the Spice Girls. Jerry, uh, Jerry Hallowell. Hallowell. Yeah. yeah. Doing fine, by the way. Totally, fine. Yeah. totally admirable performance. Everyone's doing good. Uh, but the, 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 the person in this movie who elevates it, <laughs> like who, who takes this product tie-in shameless commercial for Sony PlayStation, Gran Turismo video games, and Nissan, and takes that story that basically just turns into a pretty familiar underdog sports story, just happened to be set in the world of racing, and gives it uh, life and soul and a, a weird degree of honesty, David Harbour. Yeah, uh... David Harbour, M-V-fucking-P <laughs> of this um, movie. He is fucking excellent in this movie. Like, yeah. like he, he is bringing so much more personality and performance and greatness to mm. than anything like this deserves. Like, nobody told him what uh, the movie was about. They just mm. told him, you are a guy who used to be a racer, something bad happened to you, and so now you're the pit you're boss and the out, trainer, yeah. and you're gonna take this kid who you think is probably not gonna make anything of himself and gradually come to respect him and think he can do it. Yeah. And, and then, you're just gonna do that for real, and we're not yeah, gonna he, tell you it's a commercial for Nissan. He even has the, the same... Uh, sort of sad backstory like he so, uh, like it was a horrible accident in his past and now he's teaching rich a-holes yeah. who don't really know how to do it that and well don't respect him mm. yeah yeah so he he agrees to leave the rich a-holes behind and trade train these young um whippersnappers yeah these video game players these gamers yeah. uh, and you said and, uh, that you uh, said that the way you would say the word tapeworm tapeworms yeah Tapeworms can't drive. Tapeworms uh, can't drive. The the tapeworm that could drive is a movie I would watch the <laughs> hell out of. Get Brandon Cronenberg on it. <laughs> Can you drive? No, but hang on a second. <laughs> oh god. Okay. All right. We're done. This any this goes any further, I have to edit out this entire segment for this for the good of everyone driving. I'm just gonna what people are wondering dry heaves. Um. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, 
it's during that sequence where he starts training the kids that mm. that's when it transforms into a sports movie. Yeah. Kind of leaves behind the, all that intro about mm. it being a video game. Did you know that uh, Gran Turismo has a beautiful plan for your life? Yeah, it's, it's really it's how it feels. Like, it's like, really shameless. Gran Turismo shows up at your door with a, a copy of Watchtower. Um, it's been a year for extremely shameless product placement movies. And some of them better mm. than others. I, I some actually, of them I'm, good movies. I'm very fond of Air. And I, I think mm. I'm fond of Air in like, almost an ironic level just because of how mm. like exhilarating it is, but also how commercial it is at the same time. Yeah, like, I it's was, actually great filmmaking. I was kinder to uh, Tetris than you were. And I think we can all agree that Barbie... Though obviously a toy commercial is also a good film. Yeah. So and, yeah, uh, I, I I do like Barbie, but it yeah. it's also has a, a shameless element to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, once it sort of leaves that shamelessness behind and becomes a, like a rather predictable sports movie, it Very actually gets really good. Uh, this is directed by Neil Blomkamp. You wouldn't really know to look. Um, Neil Blomkamp uh, is a South African filmmaker. You might remember him from District Nine and yeah. Elysium and uh, Chappie and Chappie. All of these movies are these really hard-edged, super mechanical science fiction movies mm-hmm. about class division. Uh, yeah, every single each, one. Each one of them is... Uh, Elysium most explicitly so. District 9 is... Mm. Uh, well, it's in there, too. It's about mm. about shanty towns and apartheid with the, yeah, yeah. the, the through the lens of sci-fi. Mm. And then uh, Chappie is... Uh, Chappie is a weird fucking Chappie is about a, a police robot that fights for the people, that goes rogue and fights for the people instead yeah. of arresting them. But he but he fights for the people by teaming up with, with like... With Deontward. With yeah. re- playing themselves. themselves. There's an actual band called Deontward, mm-hmm. and they're not, they don't just act in the movie, they play themselves in a sci-fi future where there are cop robots, and their career has like tanked, and now they're like bank robbers, and they're teaching this cop robot how to be human, and also how to rob banks and shit with them mm. that's the actual plot of the movie i understand not liking chappie i do not understand people who just wrote it off a short circuit that's a weird <laughs> it's, fucking it's, it's movie it's a really weird movie i actually don't dislike that movie i know uh, a lot I, of people hated it i thought it was kind of weird and neat i, I like, admire man, it's yeah it's just sort of it's daring weird ideas they put hugh jackman um, in little shorts the entire film the entire film which i'm okay with Thank uh, you. but uh, and his thighs that could crush a walnut he should have done that in the movie. I too. know, right? <laughs> All right. Pissed off now, just having white walnuts. Uh, Chappie was so poorly received that uh, Neil Blomkamp kind of retreated. Yeah. He tried to get an alien sequel off the ground for yeah. numerous years. One of those, like, uh, requels that would, like, ignore everything like, except certain, Alien certain, 1 and 2. Like, he, he essentially yeah. wanted to make Aliens, the James Cameron movie, part 2. He wanted to make another yeah. one of those. And, and there's uh, a certain fan base that actually wants that, or yeah. wanted that anyway, and I think... And, uh, I think the time has passed personally, well, and and it was never like put into production. But he put a, like a lot of energy out into the world. Like here's some drawings I did, yeah. and here's my plan, and here's the story, and here's what I wanted the title to be. And that never sort of came out. And here recently, he's been ending interviews when people ask about it. Like he doesn't want to talk yeah. about it. It's like uh, I, I want to talk about Gran Turismo. Yeah. Can I ask you about aliens? Bye. Like he will just get up. Honestly, and go. that's uh, that's his prerogative. It's like, maybe it, not the best PR, but it, it's it, fine. It, he clearly he was stung by the experience. Sure. Uh, that nobody and he uh, came back uh, several years later and he made just a brazenly incompetent, utterly abysmal film called Demonic. Yeah. Which like. It's just, it's about like, virtual that, reality and dreams and actual demons and, it's, and government conspiracies. And it's borderline incomprehensible. You, you can't I, tell what's going on. No, it's really it's badly, badly edited. It's badly filmed. It's oh. A lot of it's filmed in the dark and you don't see what's happening. I don't yeah. understand who the characters are half of the time. Yeah. It feels like something, uh, and Charles Band has done some good stuff, but it feels like something out of the Charles Band. Oh, I, like a full don't, moon Don't movie. insult Charles Band like this. No, <laughs> it feels like the sort of, it, it, it ironically... If you look at like his like his like career, it feels like his career kind of went in reverse. Like you're supposed to make like a shitty but ambitious low budget genre film mm. and then get better, and then he just moved towards demonic. Yeah, and then like but like his first movie, District Nine, multiple Academy Award nominations oh, yeah. for him, mm-hmm. for him specifically, and it's great. District Nine is great. Elysium, Chappie. Not as popular, but I think they're of a piece. I don't yeah, dislike those movies. He made some, like, he, he set up, like, this short film studio which had some ambitious sci-fi shorts. I saw one of them. It was just an okay monster movie, but it wasn't bad. 
demonic was borderline incompetent. Yeah, it, and that was weird. And I was worried about him for a while. It's like, is he just completely lost he, it? Like, what just, happened yeah. to you, well, man? And here he's just doing a. It's a programmer. Here, it's yeah, here, just an here assignment. He's, he's, and a, he's a director. He for killed it. He did good. And he sort of tapped into a because he had like all of this like interest in in mechanics and machines. That's sort yeah, of a big theme, a big sort of yeah. motif throughout his first three movies. Yeah. And he doesn't lean into that as much as I thought he might. Although mm. there's a few scenes where uh, Jan is driving the car and he starts to imagine himself playing the game. And vice versa. And there's, versa. And there's yeah. like a, this fantasy sequence where the car like disassembles itself and he yeah. imagines himself back at the computer screen. That, that feels felt more like a Neil little bit more Neil anything. Blomkamp. Yeah. More than anything, he just knows how to film and edit a goddamn race sequence. Yeah. Uh, he also understands... He has to let the audience know where the characters are on the racetrack in relation to one another. Yeah. And he he does it. He does it in a really blunt video game way. There's literal yeah. floating numbers but over the works. cars. But it works. And it's a video yeah. game movie, so it's kind of Fine. appropriate for the yeah. material. He just makes really good race sequences. And you know what? Despite myself, I got really excited <laughs> watching these races. It's like, I, I kind of know he's going to gonna win. And they keep on yeah. uh, you know sort of pointing it to this way. But that... And David fucking Harbour yeah. make it a pretty darn good movie. Like, it's okay. I, I think you liked it more than I did. But, because no. I think it's so front-loaded with product placement that it took me way too long to get invested in it. By the time I did, too much of the movie had kind of passed for All me right. to, like, really feel it. Um, and also, even, you know, we, we both said it. It's a very formulaic mm. Uh, sports movie but again formulas are formulas for a reason they usually work and a underdog sports movie is one of the most battle-tested genres it's ever it's kind of hard to mess it up if you follow the rocky rules you will make a good movie or at Mm. the very least like a movie that people will enjoy watching a little like it's really hard to fuck it up um but even then, there's something that's so rah-rah about it. That is so... When people are telling this kid he's going to be the greatest race car driver <laughs> who ever lived. And then you look him up on Wikipedia and you realize he was fine. He was fine. Like, he did good. Like, he's, 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 he was fine. He was legit. But, like, the movie oversells it yeah, a lot. And for me, he, that's... He did, uh, yeah. he did play his own stunt double. And that, that's stunt cool. driver in the movie. And so that's that really cool. cool. Yeah. And listen, good for this guy. Seriously, I got not, nothing against him. Mm. Totally fine. But the movie rings false at the beginning because it's so full of shameless plugging. And it kind of rings false at the end because it feels like we're getting the Wayne's World mega happy ending when mm. in actuality there was a bit more nuance than that. No. Uh, and as a result, it feels, well, like a shameless fucking commercial. But it's a well-made commercial. And that's what I will <laughs> say about it. It is a well-made commercial. Neil Blancamp, welcome back. I, I, It's weird that this was like... Oftentimes, filmmakers sort of get re-energized when they get to do their, like, fun passion project. And I feel like maybe not doing fun passion projects is a good idea for you for a little bit. And I think just make some movies, because you can make some really good movies. Just don't get in your head. I don't know what, yeah. the, I don't know what, the, what the deal is, but, like, seriously, you're, you're clearly be, very talented. Be, make some more movies, please. Be, be, yeah. be the director for hire. Do different genres. That's fine for just, a while. Yeah. You know, like, that's just... just Get back in that game. Get back on that horse, because this is a good step in a good direction. Um, so yeah, it's okay. It's okay. So um, it, it's as yeah. good as this kind of a movie can get. I yeah. think like it doesn't transcend. No, it's, it's, it never transcends. It's, 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 David Harbor transcends. David Harbor is yeah, he's, he's the only like, one, like the one who's kind yeah. of reaching further beyond. David Harbor thought it's, he could get an Oscar nomination out of this, it, and honestly, I wouldn't even be mad if he did. <laughs> it's uh, just bleeding efficient and there's there's an integrity to that there is really is the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about that's why we've created the hefty renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials to participate simply fill up an orange hefty renew bag with accepted items tie it up and drop it in with your regular recycling that's it it's that easy it's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Um, okay, next up, uh, we have a new film uh, about uh, a 
a, a lesbian teen fight club. <laughs> and that's the whole movie in a nutshell, basically. It's called Bottoms. Mm. And it's great. It's from uh, uh, Emma Seligman, who did Shiva Baby a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. with Which I actually uh, missed. I heard it was great. It, 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 it's yeah. really great. Um, uh, which she... Uh, she made with actress Rachel Senat, yes. who's also in Bottoms, and she also and Rachel. This time, Rachel Senat also co-wrote the screenplay. Yes, uh, Rachel Senat and Io Edabiri, who's everywhere right now. She was also in Teenage Ninja Turtles recently. Um, they she played uh, April O'Neil. Yep, uh, they are teenagers. They are lesbians. They are social outcasts, and it, and their best friends, and their best friends, and it annoys them to no end that they're not outcasts because like of like. Injustice and everyone's like doesn't like them because they're gay. There's a lot of popular queer kids at their school. They're just unpopular because they're not good at stuff and people don't like them. There's a scene late in the movie where um, uh, one of the characters talks to an an elder of theirs, an elder Mm. lesbian friend. uh, I think it's a relative of theirs. No, no, it was it was Uh, like their uh, their like mentor and like. like elementary school or something. Oh like, yeah, was like so the like, first, like yeah, mentor teacher of theirs. And, they, like, yeah. and they said, you know, back in my day, people only only hated you because you were gay, and you have the problem that now they hate you because you're gay, but you're untalented. Like <laughs> yeah. you, you have nothing going for you. Yeah. Um, I adore this picture. It's so I, good, I, I, right? I, 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 like my like my heart is singing in every yeah. scene in this movie. It, it takes place. In a, a heightened version of reality, mm-hmm. in this really cartoony version of high school, where I haven't um, seen since Savage Steve Holland was making. Yeah, this yeah, is in the Better Off Dead universe. This is, it's Better Off Dead. It's Heather's. It's yeah. a, a Jawbreaker, which is also Heather's, um, yeah. just slightly gayer. Um, and uh, so it, we're we're already sort of in this kind of cartoon land, and mm-hmm. uh, it takes place in this nightmarish high school. Where football is worshipped to a degree where the football quarterback, mm-hmm. like, has essentially nude pictures of himself all over the cl- all over the school. Yeah, and they're preparing for this rivalry football game that's going to happen at the end of the movie that happens once every fifty years. So there's this weird kind of <laughs> mythic quality to what's going on. Yeah, and uh, in insulting or harming this quarterback, and all the football players only ever wear their uniforms. Mm-hmm. They're with the shoulder pads and everything. Yeah. Uh, the lead uh, quarterback is played by Nicholas Galatine, who was recently in Red, White, and Royal Blue. I liked him in Red, White, and Royal Blue. He played a very hunky, sensitive, uh, uh, you know, gay uh, uh, prince of England. Uh, and it's a rom-com about him falling in love with the president's son. And it was really cute. Not amazing, but really, really cute. He is doing, like, <laughs> Ryan Gosling and Barbie levels of comedy in this movie. He is on another weird, uh, wonderful Ryan, Ryan, level. He's, he's, like, he's like practically Peter McNichol in this one. Like, he's just, like, s- screaming and flouncing about. There's a lot of gay coding for the straight characters. Oh, yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of gay characters. Uh, a yeah, lot, so, yeah. Uh, so Rachel Senat and um, and Io Edebiri, they're uh, Edebiri, yeah, Io Edebiri. They have crushes the on two of the most popular girls in school. But the two uh, star cheerleaders, in fact. Yeah, uh, they're that's not going anywhere. It's, uh, Havana Royce Liu and um, Kaya Gerber, who's like the her sidekick. Uh, they uh, they're really into those two girls. Those two girls are not giving them the time of day. One of them is dating the lead football player, uh, and with this big football game coming up, that rival football the, the rival school is apparently evil and they're attacking students and yeah, which they come up with the, a scheme the, the, and the only issue i have with the movie is we don't that's not on the screen they yeah. just talk about it a couple times just cut in one scene where they beat somebody up it, it that's does all it need, does but, pay yeah. off it's not like something that like could, might not have happened mm-hmm. like it's clearly a thing but um basically the th- situations are really really heightened right now and they get it in their heads to start a self-defense class after school that they will teach themselves even though they don't know self-defense and they're literally only doing it to meet girls. Yes. <laughs> That's literally the only reason they're going to do it. And because they know nothing about fighting, hmm. the class ends up being basically everyone stands around in a, in a circle and take turns beating the shit out of each other. Yeah, and- That's the whole fucking thing. 
It's 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 a boner comedy just with fewer boners in it. Um, yeah. Uh, it it is just crass and energetic and delightful in a way I haven't seen a comedy be in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it reminded me of yeah you mentioned uh, uh, better, better off, off dead. Yeah. yeah, it has that that sort of weird twisted vibe to it, and it also has that uh, strikes that wonderful note where the main characters especially the Rachel Senat character, mm. are despicable human beings. They're pretty terrible, they're, actually. They're, they're liars, and they beat each other, and they have like no moral compass whatsoever. Mm. They're mean they're to really, their friends. They, yeah, they're, they're, they're manipulating the people they're trying to have around. sex with. And you love them. Mostly you love them. <laughs> I actually wonder You don't love when they're being shitty. No. But you got, you're, you're really drawn to how energetic and funny they are, and they're so funny. The, the, there's, this has an obscenely high joke to laugh ratio there's a lot of comedies where not every joke lands but enough of them do they had a good time this one is just wall-to-wall jokes and at least 90 percent of them land hard Mm. it's incredibly funny from beginning to end and there's something i actually think and i really admire about it because it manages to be extremely arch extremely silly it feels like a living breathing cartoon uh, tonally, you know, they don't actually do like Scott Pilgrim stuff or anything, but, um, and yet they're actually able to deal directly with some real things. Mm. There's like a moment in the movie where they realize that, you know, okay, we've been, we've been all been beating the shit out of each other for weeks. Maybe we should have a conversation with everyone in the fight club. And everyone kind of shares like, here's why we feel the need to have a self-defense class. Mm. And it actually touches on some real shit for a minute but it manages to do that without being disrespectful and without losing the capacity to be funny and that is tough and uh but it also shows sort of the weaknesses of the characters because they're all trying to confess their traumas and they're interrupting each other. Like, no, nobody's finishing their stories. Yeah, it's all like, I, like, I, I kind of prove a little bit... I have more tra- I'm more traumatized than you. Yeah, it's like... Kind of thing, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a really... Uh, <laughs> kind of darkly revealing scene where it says, uh, okay, how many of you have been sexually assaulted? Nobody raises their hands. Gray area stuff counts and they all uh, raise their yeah, hands. Like, it's that's really a little gross. It's really, really um, heavy, but it manages to incorporate that into its world mm. where it can have that conversation. And that's a tough conversation. They, that would that would kill a lot of comedies. I just like mm-hmm. you just can't be, have any fun after that. And they manage to find a way to acknowledge that that's part of it, and that is tragic and that is bad. But people are still mm-hmm. people. They're still funny, yeah. and they're still have the capacity to find joy in mm-hmm. things. And so that it somehow manages to turn that around and then have wacky shit happen yeah. afterwards. Um, and that's a miracle. Uh, Emma Seligman, who who uh, co-wrote and directed. Um, clearly the heir apparent to Jamie Babbitt mm. who made uh, films like, but I'm a cheerleader and the sure. itty bitty titty committee. And, uh, in fact, there's even uh, a reference to Jamie Babbitt when they, mm. um, I, uh, takes like her, her would be girlfriends to a diner and it's called, but I'm a diner. <laughs> everyone laughed at that like okay. establishing shot uh, and my eye didn't catch it until it cut away and i was okay. like so i missed that joke thank you so okay, much yeah the, the, the name putting... the name of the diner is but i'm a diner okay so that's funny clearly they're making a reference to, to jamie Damn. babbitt's okay. film but i'm a cheerleader i'm actually which... really glad you mentioned that because i felt really bad <laughs> why is everyone laughing what did i miss <laughs> And, and there's, like, little filthy jokes, like, in the diner. There's this oh, yeah. big sign that says, enjoy our cream pies. Yeah. Uh, it's it's that level of sort of jejun, completely puerile humor. But it all but feels... But done... It, yeah. and I've, I've said this before. You can tell when a dumb comedy... Is made by is smart made people. By cra- is by, made by smart people. If yeah. it's done by crass assholes, mm-hmm. all you're getting is the crassness. You're just getting this half-assed, ha, 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 I said something offensive. Isn't that funny in and of itself? It, no, it, it's it not. It takes a really smart filmmaker to take crass material yeah. and puerile jokes and wield them so you can, you're aware of the film's attitude towards yeah. those things. And yet it still has really wonderful characters i loved ruby cruz's character who was oh, like was really she, she's uh the one who's like really Han- shit on by our leads it, oh, and hannah was the character's uh, name um, was it hold on yeah hazel 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 she's she's I fantastic hazel, yeah. she's relatively well, new she was on willow uh, i want to see so much of her i think she's great i, lo- I uh, like the actors but just as much i liked the characters each one even yeah. the little tiny characters yeah were really well drawn they they mm-hmm. had uh you know some 
really cool personality traits. There's like sort of the, the skater punk rock girl is just like really into the violence of it. Uh, Hazel was really great. Oh, you want a bomb? I can make you a bomb. Uh, Jesus, Hazel. You were uh, just waiting for that, weren't you? Uh, it's, it, I think it's kind of telling that uh, one of the executive producers on this movie was Elizabeth Banks, who directed mm-hmm. the Pitch Perfect movies. And yeah. has that, and did Cocaine Bear recently. And Cocaine She's Bear. But, but the Pitch Perfect yeah. movies are trying to do that same thing. That sort of uh, gathering uh, sort of stories of female camaraderie mm-hmm. around these sort of really crass characters. I think Elizabeth Banks likes to play a lot broader mm-hmm. This one's playing broad, but it's actually really kind of smart and, and like, crackles in a way that, yeah. that something like Pitch Perfect 2 doesn't quite. Yeah. Uh, I, only have one, yeah. I only have one thing about this movie that I mm. actually think is holding it back a little bit. And that's the, the, the basic premise is, you know, we're starting this fight club, we're starting it to meet girls, and they start playing up their backstory a lot. Like, yeah, we went to juvie, and we had we to, like, somebody we had to kill somebody hall, to survive, yeah. and, like, all of that stuff is mostly, is like, a misunderstanding that got out of hand. But then they start playing into it really, really hard, and you realize after a while that you're not just watching a story that's, like, you know, lesbian teen fight club, but you're also watching what, you know, people would call the lie-revealed uh, oh, yeah, a comedy yeah. storyline in which the bulk of the plot stems from the protagonist engaged in, whether through intentional deception or no fault of their own, something duplicitous. And you know that if that lie is revealed, it will undermine everything they have accomplished and will have to try to get it back. So they have to resort to more and more desperate measures to keep the lie alive. That's a genre I generally don't like because I find it very frustrating to be expected to like someone and want someone to like salvage a relationship that is based on lies. And this is a movie that I think actually gets away with it better than most because it's very arch, because it admits that the protagonists oh, are pretty yes. crap to begin with. They're not pretending. It helps that, that it takes place in this sort of like cartoon really universe. Uh, and But at the same time, when we hit the beats that we know we're going to get to, mm. it's like the one thing the movie doesn't actually like play with and subvert. And it just feels like we're kind of going through the motions on it a little bit. And that's not a big deal because it's just the the skeleton on which the comedy is built. But it's just like the one thing that feels conventional and not amazing about it. And everything else is so great (laughs) that it kind of stands out to me. But that's uh, a nitpick, really. Well, but it also has all of the problems with that plot. Um, There's... All these romantic romances, for instance, the lie revealed. I'm going to date you uh, under uh, an act of subterfuge. False pretenses. uh, And then under the act of these sort of false pretenses, we will actually fall in love and Mm -hmm. actually develop chemistry and hook up. Something. And and then the lie is revealed and the the lied to party, the aggrieved party, Mm -hmm. uh, has an outburst of outrage. How dare you lie to me? And then there's that really frustrating period of the movie where we just have to wait for them to get back together again Uh because they're going to by the end. And And, and, it all feels so contrived. Yeah. And it was Roger Ebert who pointed this out. There's this light, that portion where they're apart and they inevitably have to get back together. Uh You can skip that because wouldn't it be great if somebody just said, I've been lying to you this whole time. And the response was, I'm not happy that you were lying to me. I'm glad you told me the truth now. Clearly, we had chemistry. Mm-hmm. We were clearly... It doesn't matter if it was based on a lie. We did have something going on. So let's work on that together. Uh-huh. And we can skip that insufferable third act gap where they're just apart mm-hmm. for arbitrary reasons. That That's definitely something there. Personally, I think just break up and never make it a thing again. And that's also perfectly valid. I think my favorite example of a movie just throwing up its hands and realizing i don't know how to make this work Mm. is actually 10 things i hate about you uh which is you know it's that uh, teen version of uh the taming of the shrew Mm. starring the late heath ledger and joseph gordon levitt and julia stiles and it's quite funny Mm. for the most part it's really really great but they do that thing where it's like, okay, yeah, I was only initially dating you because I was being paid to. And, of course, she feels incredibly, you know, hurt by this because she was starting to have real feelings for the guy. And they break up as well they should. And you, the movie is like, we know they have to get back together again. But she's really smart and has a lot of dignity. And he actually did do something really, really bad. And we can't really get him through a major life 
change that demonstrates how much he has grown as a person within the incredibly narrow time frame of the school year is ending. Yeah. Uh, so fuck it. He buys her a guitar and she's like, gee, I like this guitar. I guess that's fine. And then they're together. <laughs> and I was so pissed at how lazy that was. But nowadays I'm kind of just like, you kind of just admitted that there's you're no, just, no there's real no real reason for it. There's yeah. no good, it's never going to be entirely believable. The best thing you can do is basically what Bottoms did, which is set your story in such a bizarre, heightened reality that people can do things that in reality they would never do, but it makes sense in this specific context. Yeah. I still would have preferred if they had managed to avoid that kind of hackneyed one plot point. But if you're going to do it, this is the way to do it. Well, it, it it's it's a bit of a hackneyed plot point, but it ends in such a weird way. Oh, I love the uh, and the, end, the climax of this movie is an all-timer. I'm not going to ruin it for you. It's an all-timer. It, it just flies off into this wonderful yeah. uh, realm of chaos, and a lot of like yeah. these little plot points start paying off in these really strange ways. Um, there's a side goth character that gets a little punchline that's just has a howling. Um <laughs> In a very dark kind of a very way. Very dark, um, but funny. They managed to make it work. Yeah, I, I, I feel like we're we're kind of back to a place where comedies can be a little sarcastic again. Yeah. Uh, comedies were really earnest there for a while, or mm. they were uh, vehicles for like a big star. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, that's been going on since... That time immemorial. Time immemorial, yeah. but... Uh, it's it's a bit insufferable if you hate the personality at the center of it. Yeah. Will Ferrell. Yeah. <laughs> He's made a few good movies. He's made a few good movies, but... Um, He's also made a lot of crap. I, I'm I'm not fond of his comedy persona in every scenario. It often feels like a lot of his the, movies are, what if the, this job, but Will Ferrell? Yeah, like the... the, the, the what uh, if Will Ferrell was an ice skater? Non-self-aware blowhard yeah. who's sort of not aware of like how, how ridiculous what if Will he is. Ferrell was running for president? I'm like, hmm. you have jokes on top of that? Not really. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, so, so there's been a lot of coasting. Um, yeah, like people have been coasting on on mm. celebrity persona and a oh lot God. of just sort of cheery uh, kind of goodwill. Uh, oh. we're, we're past the point where crass for crassness sake, like the post. There's something about Mary. The mm. easiest thing we can copy the, is the, the gross, gross out humor and not yeah. the actual emotional sincerity that made the movie sell. Uh, we're past that, thank God. And Bottoms has. It's actually not gross, which is kind of refreshing. It's actually it's just broad. Hmm. It's just got a lot. It's got sex humor, but it doesn't have like actual like anything untoward, like yeah, that's being made yeah. out of made fun of. There's no like un radically unnecessary nudity body or bodily nudity, fluids yeah. or anything like that. It's not like about it. that at all. Yeah, it's character and it's a funny fucking world. <laughs> and uh, and Nicholas Galatine is real. Everyone's a standout in it. Yeah, every yeah. every part is funny. Even, it's um, pretty impressive. The the teacher that they go to that they oh, need yeah. a, a teacher sponsor for this lesbian fight club of theirs, and uh, they approach one of their teachers. They have this wonderful uh, line of dialogue. It's like you, you can come or you don't have to show up at all. It's the best way to be an ally. Just say you are and don't do anything. <laughs> uh, and the teacher is played by Marshawn Lynch, the yeah. football star, uh, and. Even he gets to like improvise and yeah. do funny shit. He's funny. He's actually really funny. I love I love how pissed he gets. There's the one point where he's like where he finds out that like the, the you know, the lie revealed thing. And there's a bit where he's just like, I guess feminism is a lie now. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> he no. Teach, teaches a class where he writes feminism on the chalkboard and crosses it off. <laughs> God, yeah. this movie's funny. Okay, listen, mm. see listen, it's it's in limited release. If you can find it near you, see it. It's one of those movies you'll be like, if you see this like later, you'll be like, why didn't I see this when it first came out? You see it. It's one of the best movies I've seen all year. It's so damn good. It's, I, I I agree. I'm with you on this one. All right. Um, yeah. Oh, golly. It's so much fun. All right. And then the last movie we're reviewing this week, or rather I am because Whitney uh, dodged a bullet. Uh, it is called Cause Retribution. Because I, I didn't have to. No. So I didn't watch Retribution. It is called Retribution. It stars Liam Neeson as, get this, uh, a bad dad who is uh, now stuck in a in a dangerous situation and has to protect his kids. 
using his skills as a slightly violent man. Uh, No, actually. Oh. Just by driving around looking at stuff. Uh, This movie is called... So it's Taste of Cherry. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) It's an Abbas Kiarostami movie. I'm aware of that. Okay, Luca, when I'm done talking about this bad Liam Neeson movie, I'll give you snacks, I promise. Okay. Uh, Retribution is actually, I think it's like the third remake of a Spanish film. Uh, which is called El Desconocido, which I believe actually translates to Retribution. Um, And uh, the premise is this. Liam Neeson is some kind of like hedge fund manager. He's working with his partner, played by Matthew Modine. And, you know, it's a volatile marketplace right now. I like Matthew Modine. Yeah, good actors. And um, it's a volatile market. They're like trying to keep all their investors on board to keep them from pulling their money. Uh, He is a pretty shitty dad not involved in either his son or his daughter's lives uh but uh today uh his wife played by Beth davis uh has an important thing to go to in the morning she's like you just this once can you please drive the kids to school so he's like fine and so he puts the kids in the car and he gets in the car and then he gets a, a phone call that says hey there's a bomb under your seats if any of you leave the car it'll explode and he's like, no. And they're like, yeah. And he like takes pictures under his seat to see that right. there is indeed a bomb. And there is indeed a bomb. Uh, and so now he's... So speed. He has to stay in the car and drive. Yeah, he doesn't have to keep it at a certain speed. He just has to stay in the car, which right. makes speed a lot less exciting. If it was just people sitting in the bus and it wasn't moving, like or if it was like moving at normal speeds, uh, it would just be an okay movie. Um so he's got to drive around, and he is driving around doing things like, uh, at first he thinks, is this someone I wronged? Is this someone I stole money from? What? Who is this? What have I, is this, am I getting what's coming to me? Uh, he sees someone else who like works with him, and he's in a car, and he's having the exact same problem, and then that car blows up, but then the police see Liam Neeson driving away, and now he's the top suspect, and his faces on all of these like video billboards oh all over God. town and now it's up to him to try to like figure out what's going on what's the the criminal mastermind's plan can i protect my kids how do i get out of this thing and what it, it, it sounds like a good idea for like a radio play yeah like a half hour radio like a half hour radio play this is a good idea and i've seen movies that take place entirely in a car if you've ever Mm. seen lock you know you can see there's a movie that's literally just tom hardy on the phone driving the entire film and it is hypnotizing because it's so well written and it's not even a thriller it's just him. It's like his life is like gradually unraveling with every phone call he makes. Yeah. Bad decisions are piling up and he's just, oh, here, here I am with the consequences of my actions. I get in the car and I have a life. I get out of the car and I don't anymore. And that's the whole movie. And it's fucking amazing. So this kind of thing can work. There's no reason why it doesn't, it doesn't have to. And I haven't seen the original. Maybe the original, maybe there's a reason it's been remade three times. Maybe the original is fucking great. It's been, it's been remade, well, I think, once in Korea, once in Germany, and now once by Americans, but it's still set in Germany for some reason. I don't... That, that well, kind that, of arb- that, That's probably where they could I film. I guarantee like, it's yeah. where they could film it, and they couldn't hide it so. because the whole movie takes place on streets. So... Um, in any oh, yes, case, we're, go- we're driving through uh, through Los Angeles yeah. on yeah Heidelbergstrasse. Sure, and... it's um. Thank you, Luca. Luca, I swear to God, you will get so many treats because you're such a wonderful cat. And I know, I know, hearing me talk to you is probably more entertaining than hearing me talk about this Liam Neeson movie. Liam Neeson could not look more bored in this movie if he tried. He uh, is just sitting look, down I, the entire time. There's not even really a lot of car chases or anything. It's just him trying to figure out what's going on and looking like he can't. I, I do like Liam Neeson as an actor. I think he's you mm-hmm. know, a good, uh, sort of a, a handsome and sort of a, a patronly a, kind of a way. Like a rugged kind yeah, of way. Like, kind of, yeah, he's, he's, of he's seen big, some big, shit. He's a tough, rugged you know? guy. He used to box like yeah. the actor in real life. So he kind of has that sort of toughness about him, but he's oh, also he's actually like boxing a... in the first scene in this movie. He's like beating up a punching bag, and you think, oh, yeah. oh cool, this is setting up later when he's gonna like fight it. No, that actually mm-hmm. doesn't happen. Uh, Liam Neeson, <laughs> who's probably around seventy now, um, is, has been doing a lot of these uh, sort of thrillers for a while. Yeah, um, he's seventy-one. Seventy-one years old. Right? Yeah, 
And he usually brings a little bit of soulfulness to them. I think mm. Taken was the one that kind of kicked the door open. Oh, yeah. Him and Taken whole, uh, started a whole subgenre yeah. that was just Liam Neeson in blank. Yeah, Liam Neeson doing some threatening thing. Liam and... Neeson, there's a there's a bad guy on a plane. Mm. Liam Neeson and, is uh, a bad guy on a subway. There's, Liam Neeson, even there's a bad guy who stole his identity. He's done know. a lot of these sort of like crime movies, old, yeah. old guy beats people up kind of yeah. movie. Uh, like action movies is, that somehow only spent like 20, 30 million dollars. He kind is of what he alternately does. committed yeah. in these movies. Like some of them, he, do, he clearly doesn't care. Like he's yeah. not bringing anything to it. Yeah, the material isn't he's good. Not, not he's not pretending it is. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes, sometimes, yeah, he's there for it. I think that's why the first Taken works so well. He's really yeah. committed in that movie. Well, that's also just an accomplished production. It's slick. The screenplay is really, really solid. It's very fascistic in its approach to <laughs> a violence like in Americans. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's and its whole it, it started this like it didn't start it, but it helped solidify this genre of Dad was an asshole and his wife left him, but the stuff that made him a bad dad, like that he was like a CIA enforcer, is now the only thing that can save his family. Yeah. Therefore justifying every bad decision he's ever made. And that's a genre with a lot of problems in it, but Taken is a really, really well-made film. At least the first one is. And so you're right, that one's good. And I think it's interesting that Liam Neeson is one of the few actors who's, I think, become practically synonymous with an entire genre. Mm. Like when you picture, Liam Neeson's done a lot of different types of movies. He was in Schindler's List. He was in uh, Rob Roy. He was in, uh, he was in Next of Kin. Uh, sure. Uh, dark he, Man. He was, he was dark, dark Man, man. back he's in been the early 90s. He's yeah. been in a lot of films. Uh, so much of like the last like 10, 15 years of his career has been spent doing basically the same movie over and over again that when we think of like mid-range thrillers we think of Liam Neeson Liam Neeson is to the modestly budgeted action thriller what Vincent Price was to horror movies in the 60s and 70s like he'll show up for yeah it but I would say Roddy McDowell but yeah um, no because Roddy McDowell wasn't the headliner as much as Vincent Price we would sell That's it true. on Vincent Price yeah. you would sell it on Liam Neeson Roddy McDowell just showed up he yeah Roddy McDowell, and he would movies. do great but he wasn't Packing him into the theaters, Vincent Price was. But the difference is that Vincent Price, if you put Vincent Price in a shitty movie, he would still try. Mm. He was always Vincent Price. Even if he was going to coast on charm, he put a lot of charm on it. And if he had an interesting role, he played it to the nines. Like, he mm. was really committed to his weird genre that he owned. Liam Neeson, you're right, is sporadically invested. And this is one of the ones where he just looks like... I did this. I, I accepted this paycheck because I got to spend the whole movie sitting down. Yeah. That's it. That's just, that's what it feels like. It's a boring thriller. The one, when the plot starts coming together and you realize that like what's really happening, you realize it doesn't make sense actually. And like parts of it were like really fucking obvious and they don't actually do have any twists to it. Yeah. Um, there's a, it's a kind of cute, I will say this, there's a kind of cute actual solution to the whole bomb and you can't leave the seat thing, like the way they get out of that in the end. Because mm. either he dies or he doesn't. I'll say whether he dies or not, the solution to the bomb and the seat thing is actually somewhat clever. And I was All like, right. maybe not clever, but satisfying. Like I was like, ah, that works. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Good for you. But um, yeah, once everything is revealed and once you find out who did what and why and you realize this all wasn't very clever and actually mostly sucks. So <laughs> it's a boring, not good film. Bore, boring and not good, says yeah. William Bibiani. Put that on the poster, please. I dare you. Um, so yeah, that's Retribution. Not recommended. Anyway, uh, that is it for our movie reviews. It is time to uh, uh, put them in their place by ranking them on a scale of C- to C+. Uh, that's what we do here at the Critically Acclaimed Network. Uh, a movie we genuinely recommend, we think is great, uh, we think is above average. We give that a C+. That's the highest rating we can give. A C is an average, uh, as you may have heard. Uh, that's, uh, you know, mixed bag. Might be more for one audience than another. That gets a C. And then a C- minus is below average. That's what we give to movies that we genuinely dislike and we think, uh, uh, you know, aren't really worth it. On that note, Retribution is a giant C-. minus. 
Uh, it's probably not the worst movie I've seen this year, but it's I think it's the most dispassionate. Mm-hmm. It just feels like a thing that happened. And I, I didn't need it. And I'm looking forward to just being able to forget this one existed. Which one was Retribution again? I don't know. Also, what a nondescript title. Yeah. Retribution. And it honestly, it really isn't even about Retribution when it all comes down to it. Like, oh it really God. doesn't even, like, feel like, oh, well, I guess it was really a saga of Retribution. Not really, man. I remember that complaint when that film, uh, The Raid, colon, Redemption, came out. Yeah, it wasn't there's, really there's, a lot of redemption. No, nobody's, get, nobody gets redeemed in that movie. It's just people yeah. beating each other up. Yeah. Well, the original title was just The Raid, and then when they brought it to America, there had recently been another movie called The Raid, uh, I think they had okay. to add that to avoid, you know, any sort of Great complaints. Redemption. Yeah, which, yeah, no one gets redeemed in that fucking movie. It's not a redemption. Call anyway. it something interesting. Yeah. Like, like super fight building. Or, or like, yeah. The Raid. Alien, alien Revenge. <laughs> yeah, just lie. A, a, yeah, a, yeah. Alien Chickens Play Baseball yeah. in this one. The movie. <laughs> Sold. Uh, Whitney, Bottoms. Uh, bo- C plus. G- mm. Golly, I love this movie. It's it's just so exciting and refreshing and queer and violent and quirky and full of personality and mm. and humor. And it's just hilarious. Uh, it's it just firing on all cylinders. I really, yeah. really loved it. Uh, it's a staggeringly funny motion mm. picture, but uh, it is able to be that funny and that silly because it is weirdly smart mm. uh and uh, it's it's just the best thing you can do right now is go see bottoms it's really really wonderful uh and then uh finally gran turismo uh i'm gonna give it as uh, as high a c as possible ah. it's not true uh, apart from david harbour okay. who is just wonderfully excellent in this movie mm. really oscar-worthy performance in this video game film uh, it really just goes through a lot of the motions. It just happens to do it really, really well. Yeah. Uh, had it done something like introduced a concept or done something, something interesting to make it stand, to make yeah, that yeah, uh, it would would have gotten a C plus. Mm. As it stands, it's just the the greatest version of an average movie. Yeah, I think it's a good way to put it. I think uh, it's it's made with a lot of uh, confidence and panache, uh, at, but ultimately it is the marriage of shameless commercialism and very formulaic sports storytelling mm. uh, that I'm giving it a C is the highest compliment I can give. <laughs> uh, it is, it is, I guess it's kind of a four star, three star movie and mm. that by the virtue of what it is, it could probably never be genuinely great, but for a video game slash Nissan commercial, that hits a lot of familiar beats. It's probably about as good as it could as it could be. Yeah. So there's that. So yeah, I will give it another C as well. High C. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, that's it for uh, critically acclaimed. Yeah, not 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 too many movies this week. Not but... not a lot, but uh, you know, it's late August. Uh, what are you gonna do? Uh, we'll be back next week with I think Equalizer three. Equalizer comes out three comes yeah, out next yeah. week. We'll be back with that and possibly more stuff. Uh, probably there's always something. We'll get there. We never actually write down what's coming out next week. One of these days we should actually remember to do that. Oh, anyway. <laughs> right, more work. Um, anyway, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you for joining us. If you want to talk about anything we discussed in this episode, you want to uh, share your thoughts on these movies, you want to just ask us questions about uh, movies or the industry or movie history or whatever, uh, you want movie recommendations, you just want to be silly feel free to send us an email our email address is letters at critically acclaimed.net we might read your email and answer your questions on an upcoming episode of we've got mail whitney what is our p.o box send us a physical letter to the critically acclaimed network p.o box 641565 los angeles california 90064 yeah uh we're on twitter and blue sky now uh at critic acclaim critically acclaimed is too long for even Blue Sky, I was really hoping to just so let ourselves be called critically acclaimed on social media. But no, we're just like two digits over. So it's too, at critic acclaimed. Too many characters. That's the new name of the podcast. Too many characters. It's actually not bad. Um, 
Anyway, we're over, we're the, we're on both at Critic Acclaim. Uh, I'm at William Bibiani wherever social medias are found. I'm at Whitney Seibold and on all the socials. Uh, we also have a Patreon, patreoncom network, uh, where you can listen to a whole bunch of exclusive shows, uh, where we have uh, trivia nights, where we have. Uh, uh, votes for upcoming episodes of the Iron List and a whole bunch of other stuff as well. Uh, huge back catalogs of shows that are available to you. Uh, if you can want to sign up and you want to support the show, uh, we would really like it. It, mm. it. Without that, we can't keep going. Uh, our, our Patreon is patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. Uh, and uh, thank you to all of our patrons who already uh, contribute because yeah, it means a whole hell of a lot to us. Um, anyway, I guess that's it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And never forget, everyone's a critic. I want to go to the midnight show. I'm sorry, what?